Blog Talk Radio. This show is sponsored by CoventryCreations.com. You're listening to Keep It Magic Radio. 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 Are you ready to make some magic? Jackie and Storm are putting the pieces together for you. Find out what planets are changing the game and how to harness that energy. Get the latest metaphysical perspective on hot topics. Learn how to make magic work for you. Nothing is too hot or personal for Jackie and Storm to handle. 
Visit our website weekly for articles, updates, and the latest information to transform your life at www.keepitmagic.com. Now here is Jackie Smith and Storm Sestavani. Good afternoon, everybody. It is February the 19th, 2013. I'm Storm Sestavani, um, and I'm here with the wonderfully talented Miss Jackie Smith. And you're listening to Keep It Magic. Um, Jackie, I just have to say something from the very beginning. I'm kind of blown away that last week we had our um, biggest rated show. Wow. Um, over 8,000 people listened to the last episode of Keep It Magic, which always kind of, when I see those particular numbers and know that this is a strictly viral show, and when when I look at it, you know, when... Um, we're in the middle of season two. When you talked to me in, I believe, June right. um, uh, of 2011, okay, um, about um, doing this show again, um, uh, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, I really don't want to do another tarot show. I already did it. Right. Um, I didn't want to do another ensemble show. I already did it. It made me crazy. Um, you know, yeah, doing you know five shows a week, you know, um, uh, was uh, a little bit much in taxing for three seasons. Right. Um, and uh, when we came back to do, uh, when we decided to do Keep It Magic, you know, a lot of people don't know that my participation in the beginning of the show was only going to be temporary. Um, it was more to get you on your feet, more to get you going, you know, to teach you the ins and outs of how to do a radio show. It, it, um, for me, it was never temporary, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we did, you know, we did try to do a little bit of different things. I didn't know whether or not that we wanted to do it on a um, uh, a platform like Blog Talk. And, you know, we tried to do equipment stuff, and it, you know, utterly failed. Right. We um, did a ton of idea research, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we, d- we did season one, and then when we came back to do um, season two, you know, we had the whole month of August that we discussed it, and we wanted to do something different, and we wanted to do something a lot deeper than anything else that is currently going on in metaphysical radio. Um, uh, You know, a lot of um, metaphysical-related shows are very, very, you know, psychic reading-driven and, um, you know, driven based upon um, callers. And that's not really the format that I like. I like a talk show better. Um, uh, you know, so when we decided to come back, we decided to do this more edgier sort of way. Um, and it's 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 kind of interesting because the numbers are exploding. Right. Well, I think that I love this. I'm I'm so honored. I, and this is um, this is really has been a viral show. I mean, we haven't done. Other than our general, hey, social media, woo, woo, we're out here, come take a peek. Yeah. Um, we haven't done any marketing. Um, we haven't, I mean, actually, uh, we were just reviewing our website, Keep It Magic, going, all right, we got to do something about this. It's not what we want it to be. Uh-huh. And and um, I'm I'm just honored. Uh-huh. I'm I'm honored that we get an opportunity to be genuine, that we get an opportunity to to be um, to be a part of your life, the listener's life, and and that you actually um, have 
interest in what we have to say. Because it's everything we talk about is stuff that um, we're experiencing. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know, is that the magic formula, that, that we're genuine, that that we're um, legitimate, that these are our struggles just like it's um, your struggle. And, um, you know, we, we talk about our successes and failures, our little bits here and there, our confusions. And then we go in and look for answers outside the norm. Yeah, it is a um, uh, a process. I think, I think that... Uh, you know, at least for me in the letters that I get about the show, um, you know, I receive a lot of emails, Jackie, that, um, st- you know, that basically state, what the hell happened to you? You're a totally different person than you, are t- you were two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what did you is think? Is that good or bad? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, well, I mean, uh, in their comments, is that good or bad? I know it's awesome because yeah. I got to watch your process, but... Yeah. The, um, uh, well, basically, you know, what... The, what uh, they're seeing is, you know, I think that they've they've always been used to the showboy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and even though I still push buttons and I'm still provocative, and I, I I like to ask certain questions and I like to examine certain things, but um, uh, uh, you know, this is a talk show and not an entertainment type of show. Um, uh, and whereas the shows that I've done in the past has either been an educational sort of show or a pure out entertainment show. Um, uh, so it is a little bit different. When you're doing an entertainment show, you have to be a showboy. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's just the way that it is. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that because they're getting to see the, uh, you know, the beneath the surface um, uh, side of things, uh, you, you know, which makes people more real, um, which makes people – um, uh, you know, a lot of people, especially when you're in the public eye in any sort of way, Jackie, they have an idealism that our life is perfect. Well, my life is fucked up, so <laughs> it, oh, I said the word. <laughs> Good thing we're not on terrestrial radio. But, uh, right. Well, you know, right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I just, just you know, we we usually are on the f- phone for about ten to fifteen minutes before the show, um, catching up with stuff, and and I was just giving you the rundown of the story of of the one question that I got this morning at a mentoring meeting that just shifted my universe uh-huh. and made me go, oh. You know, I, you know, ha- half the time I'm faking it. Uh-huh. Half the time I'm I'm being a royal bitch, and, and I don't want to be. And so I'm afraid. I'm afraid a lot, too. Um, and when I... You know, when I one of my employees is having a hard time, and when I told her about how um, I'm afraid every day, just like she is, and and they they're like, whatever, no. And I go, do you are you kidding me? And I kind of laid it all out mm-hmm. of all the things that that um, that I'm afraid of, and um, and they looked at me with these big eyes, like, really, you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. We're all we're all muddling through. We're all in the, well, you know, learning my new words and, and God wears lipstick. We're all in the middle of our own tikkun, right? Uh-huh. Did I say that right? Tikkun, yeah. Tikkun? Tikkun. Um, um, in the middle of our own correction. We're we're all in the messy middle of it, whatever it is. And as soon as we get one down pat, we, get, another another. One, we get to pull another one right out of the basket. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you're done with this one. Here's another uh, lesson to learn. I think, Jackie, for for me, one of the – and I've talked to you about this, of course, um, 
uh, off of the air a lot. Um, uh, the way that I was trained in this particular business was not, uh, you know, was from an entertainment edge. Um, you know, the best media companies, um, the biggest infomercial in the world, um, still to this day, it's still the biggest infomercial in the world. Um, Show off. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, you, you know, one of the things that was drilled into my particular brain was you don't ever let the audience in any way see that there's anything wrong with you. And with my particular self-defeating behaviors, that just fed into them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, you know, you know it's, it's the moment that you show any form of sweat whatsoever, they're not going to like you anymore, they're going to question everything, you know, all of this other particular stuff. So that there was kind of um, this, Fed programming that you don't show any uh, anybody anything real. It's all you know. Um, what rabbit can you pull out of the hat? How good can you be at what you do? And can you say somebody's name <coughs> while they're while you're giving a reading? Oh yeah, uh, you know you know here's here's the uh, you've trained yourself really well on that by the way. Yeah, Correct me up. I was like Dale Carnegie. Uh, when, whenever we have a conversation, well Jackie, what I feel about this, and Jackie, if you think about it, and Jackie, and this is a, how we just converse yeah. on the phone. Personally, and I'm like, Dale Carnegie, which which course? Um, but um, um, with with all this, I think, well, I think we've changed as as a species a little bit. With um, we can see through that we're a little more savvy. I don't know if we're a little more savvy, we just have a little more experience under our belt, and so. I can see through that. I can see when people are just being a show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when people are really, really good at it, I can't see it. But, um, but, and that doesn't it seem like a lot of work. Oh, good, it's exhausting. Because <laughs> I know that um, I get to be, I get to be myself wherever I am. Mm-hmm. Um, just I just have to be a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. A little bit myself times you know to the to the um, what is that the fourth level yeah, or something? Great, like that. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, we have to, I have to level up on all that so that I'm not gonna, you know, pick my nose in public or, or roll my eyes at a stupid question or something. I like might that. pick my nose in public now. I'm kind of that comfortable. <laughs> you're, you're really you're that comfortable. Wow. Um, but I think that um, um, that that people aren't interested in that. I mean, even you know when I was getting on Blog Talk and I was uh, signing in and you can see all the shows that they promote that Blog Talk owns and they promote, and and even the one with. Um, Someone in the hip hop industry, and I can't remember his name. And it was it was like being real, right there. Uh-huh. Uh, like you know, that's what that's what it's about. It's about that practicality, about that living life and muddling through life, like we all are. But um, you know, you know, I I love doing this show because I absolutely get to be me, and and I'm becoming more and more comfortable with that. Where I was afraid to take risks in some of my statements, and Lord knows I took some risks in some statements last week. I did hear back back about it. <laughs> yeah. So so I did definitely push some buttons on on some of those statements. Uh, my my buddy John um, really was very upset at me. He he's in Michigan. He comes to a lot of my classes. And, okay, talk to me about him. Okay, so John is a straight man, married man in the pagan spiritual community. God bless him. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a one in a million, so to speak. And and you know what? There are a lot of guys who go to convocation. A lot of straight guys who go to convocation, they are true spiritual seekers. Uh-huh. Yep, there's there's a lot of them out there who, 
who are doing that. And um, and John was really mad at me for going to that place saying, saying all men are predators. And you know I didn't say that. I never said that all men are predators. I just said that it just seems like so so often in the spiritual world, women will immediately turn to the man and say his his information must be better than a woman's information because he's a man, and that there are a lot of men, I didn't say all of them, but a lot of men come into that spiritual um, the spiritual industry and in, into classes and stuff like that, and and they come in as a predator. You know, a wolf disguised in sheep's clothing. And it may not be conscious. Okay. It may not be conscious. That may not be what it is that they're thinking that they're going to do when they go into it. Um, one of the things I didn't get a mention to mention last week, mainly because I didn't find a spot, and I'm pretty anal with how I do a show, but, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, David Salisbury um, had stated something that I experienced as well. You know, when I was in the metaphysical community, Largely, Jackie, because it was the only way that you could basically get business back then, in the late 80s and the early 90s. Um, you know, you had to go to these events, and you had to go to like the Bodhi Tree and the Psychic Eyes and um, all of these other things in California. And um, one of the things that I found, which he had kind of reiterated, is that if you're even with gay men at times. Um, uh, you know, when you go into these particular types of environments, Jackie, there is the automatic uh, assumption in many of the in many of their heads, even if you're partnered with somebody, by the way, mm-hmm. that if you're another gay man, you're interested in sex. Is it? I'm just having this moment. I'm having. This is not something I I thought of beforehand. This is just coming right to me now. Is it the level of intimacy that happens when you start to open up spiritually with another person? that can become confused with sexuality? I think there's two things. I think it's two things. I think that's one of them, Jackie. And I think that the other one is is that most people that go into alternative spirituality, um, and I said most, not all, but most, have been wounded in some form of traditional sort of way. Okay. Um, And you also see this in... The 12-step groups, which I mentioned last week, um, uh, that oftentimes that there's such a vulnerability. And what what I see with women a lot um, uh, is that with women, when they're at that particular point and they're broken and then they start to go on this particular search, Jackie, oftentimes a lot of women just want to fill up a hole. And it, they may be trying to fill up the wrong one, by the way. I was way, just going to um, say, you beat me to uh, it. <laughs> Damn. They may be trying to fill up the wrong hole, but, uh, you know, that there is a particular hole that I think that wounded people, because everybody wants to feel loved. Right. Everybody wants to feel like that they're connected in some sort of way. Um, and um, everybody on some level wants to have some form of relationships. Uh, uh, you know, I know I know for me personally, Jackie, when I... Um, uh, uh, you know, you know, got into a to a place where um, I um, was vulnerable to uh, a hypomanic episode was the point that I became lonely, mm-hmm. um, and that loneliness basically drove me into situations where I wasn't acting in the best, you know, in in the best way, um, which basically brought on the hypomania, which made you know a hurricane bigger than Hurricane Sandy. Um, out out of my life, basically. But um, uh, what is, okay, keep going. I'm sorry. But it was that need to feel some form of a hole. Right. 
I, I, I understand. I think a lot of people, you're right, a lot of people come to an alternative spiritual path because the traditional paths have failed them in their healing. Yeah. And they've betrayed them or, or they feel vulnerable in them or it just doesn't fulfill them. And one interesting thing that, that John said is that he struggles with being barred from spiritual experiences because he's a man. Now, that's wrong. That is wrong, wrong, wrong. And anybody that's doing that, I don't care how big your vagina is, you're wrong. I, I don't have a problem with with women's mysteries. Mm-hmm. Women's go, you know, saying this is a, a goddess women's ritual. I don't have a problem with men's rituals. I think there's something to be shared. That's in called it. the Super Bowl, Jackie. <laughs> I think there's something to be shared in those um, singular gender situations that, uh-huh. um, and and actually I think part of it is um, a safety, but also you're not putting on a show for a boy. And, and I gotta I gotta pull, I gotta call certain women out too, because I I watch um, women start to compete for the attention of the man in the room, and and so it's both. It's both. There, there is. Um, there's a victim mentality, um, which I just kind of did a quick blog about today, which is that victim mentality is when you are looking for um, someone to make those decisions for you, to push you into decisions, to push you into a change in your life. Um, you know, victim energy states that you wait until some force greater than you defines you and forces you into a change. And then predator energy is is one that, that says, um, I'm looking for someone to define me right back uh-huh. through and validate me through through the this this negative behavior. So, you know, I think they they can they can kind of find each other in those spiritual things. So it's a it is a convoluted, complex little little it thing. Is, it is very complex, Jackie, because I think that with um a lot of women that go into um Alternative forms of spirituality uh-huh. often enter alternative forms of spirituality with a victim mindset. And when you walk into something with a victim mindset, what are you going to become? A victim. Right. So basically, you know, the predators can basically see you on the other side of the room, and you look like open, fresh meat. I mean, right. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I, I do want to mention um because this is where I do have a little bit of an issue with it. It's interesting that a lot of these female uh, um, uh, ritual goddess things, okay, are not inclusive of straight men, but they're often inclusive of gay men, okay? And here is the thing. My penis works just like a straight man's. <laughs> it does. You know, even though that... Uh, uh, you want to put it somewhere. <laughs> you, you know, the... Um, uh, uh, well, I don't care if I have one or not, actually. But uh, you know the. Um, but you know, in the, uh, you know, when you strip me down, Jackie, and you move the externals and the fact that I can, you, you know, open up to to females a little bit easier than I can males, um, I'm kind of doodly. <laughs> That's yet to be seen. Just so you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of doodly. You know, I like to work out. Um, you know, I don't, um, uh, uh, you know, tiptoe through the tulips, um, well, because I don't leave the house, but I don't uh, tiptoe through the tulips, um, but, um, you know, they're, I'm very comfortable being a guy, um, and uh, I, I think that when you start including 
um, gay men into a practice with women and then exclude straight men, then I have a problem with it. I um, I do too. So, so I know there's some women's festivals, et cetera, et cetera, um, and that's their prerogative to declare what they're going to declare and, and do what yeah. they're going to do on that. Um, so, so the other statement I, I did wanted to is I'm not retracting anything. I'm just you know saying there are more and more men coming into the spiritual world uh-huh. um, with uh, agendas that are basically their own spiritual development versus uh-huh. anything else. And I applaud them, and I thank the goddess and the god for them. I thank all the lords and ladies that that there's there's coming of a of a balance of all that. And I gotta say that that can be hard. That can be hard to to be you know um, you know I, I I wonder about men like for instance my my daughter wanted to have a friend spend the night. And um, I was going to be on. I said, well, I'm not going to be home. And Phoenix goes, well, then she doesn't get a friend spending the night. And I go, well, come on, whatever, just be a be a dad, whatever. He goes, no, no, unless I'm not going to let any other girl of puberty age spend the night here without you being here. Uh-huh. And I went, fuck, I never, oh, here, I'm swearing. God's not, thank God it's not terrestrial. But I never thought about that before, and that men have to think about that, whether they're uh-huh. just because they have to protect themselves and everybody else. So, so that that made me sad. Well, well, here's the thing, Jackie. As a victim of sexual abuse, I know how difficult it is to move beyond that that stigma, and a lot of people automatically presume that men, regardless, that their primary interest is sex. Okay. And I will just tell you, honey, after 25 years of doing readings, I think that women are just as horny as men. They just don't talk about it as much. Um, uh, <laughs> they just don't talk about it as much. Um, but basically, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the the particular perception, you know, I lost a friendship, uh, a very, very close friendship of mine, when she had a male child, and she thought that it would make her son vulnerable, which, of course, that is that is her issue, but... Um, uh, ridiculous, ridiculous! Uh, but, you know, these are things that you have to take into consideration as a male, and is it right now? Mm-hmm. And it is still in many ways, um, uh, you know, a lot of people look at things from the perspective of, uh, you know, what it's like being a woman in a man's world. Well, let me tell you, it's not real easy being a man in a woman's world. So so it goes it goes both ways. So, yeah. um, you know, so there's it, it's not as easy as as I spouted off in the moment. Um and and I'm I'm seeing and I was corrected to the point to the point that it is changing, and I was working with some some old information, but obviously I have some more stuff to heal in my life. Is if this is what keeps being presented to me, uh-huh. and I keep seeing it. Also, it might be the fact that I'm a mother of a 16 year old girl. You're the mother of a 16 year old girl, and your experience coming into the metaphysical community was not the easiest. No, it was not. Um, uh, you know, so that there's, you know, and even when, you know, the interesting thing is that when we were beginning God Wears Lipstick, you know, you had called me and you, I hope you don't mind me talking about this, but you had called me and you said, um, Storm, I'm having some problems here because it's bringing up issues in regards to my first marriage. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, and we had a little bit of a discussion about that, which I won't go into the, uh, in, into uh, on into on the air. But basically, you know, it, it is interesting that this particular comment has sprung up, and basically, you know, my feeling here is is that everybody. And even, you know, the interesting thing, I uh, was asking a Christian friend of mine over the weekend. I asked her, I said, well, do you guys have this problem in the church? And she says, oh, yeah, same thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I don't mind talking about what my issue was. Um, I don't mind talking about my past. I find that it, um, me talking about my past in really honest honest ways where I take my own responsibility and I talk about yeah. the responsibility of, the other, of, of my ex-husband, the other person, um, I've helped some people. Yeah. Um, so, just to just to like. A, well, God quick, knows I've been stripped bare on this show. So. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a quick, quick backstory. Um, I met my first husband when I was 17, and he was 37 years old. And and so he's 20 years older than me. Um, we immediately got into a relationship. I had moved in with him by by my 18th birthday, maybe 18 and a half, and um. And I was with him for almost nine years. And and during that time, um, and one of the reasons why I realized I had to get out of there and I had to get him out of my business is because he was still preying on 17-year-old girls. Uh-huh. But I was just one of the girls he preyed on, and I just kind of stuck around because I didn't know better, apparently. Because uh-huh. I was going to fix him. And that really was a motivating factor in my life is that no one understood him like I understood him, and I'm going to fix him, and I'm going to be the person who's there for him, and I'm going to be the person who's like no one's ever been there for him. I'm going to prove how much I love him and how worthy he is. Well, when you're 17, you don't even know how worthy you are. Uh-huh. And and so when I was reading um, the beginnings of, of part two of, of God Wears Lipstick, I'm like, oh, hell no, I'm not responsible for anybody else's spiritual growth because I walked down that path. Mm-hmm. And and not only did I walk down that path, I was led down that path. And, that's, and that was some of the basis of my relationship with him is that if I was only a better wife or a better girlfriend or a better person or prettier or skinnier or um, or more understanding, that he would be a better person. Uh-huh. And that was nine years of my life. That because I'm not a good enough person, he's not a good enough person. So in God Wears Lipstick, that really, really in some of the stuff she said, that I was like highlighting stuff and going, bullshit, you know, and stuff like that until I got further on. But so, yeah, that's that that really um, showed me I have a little more healing to do. It's very, very interesting because, you know, that there is a portion of God Wears Lipstick, which I'm going to do real quick and then we'll go to a break. A little bit late, but we'll go to a break. Um, is during the, you know, where I have had an enormous amount of difficulty in regards to my own life, Jackie, is that I have attracted um, individuals that, um, uh, you know, probably because of my own wounding that were just continuously playing this I'm never going to be able to trust a woman ever scenario in my head. No matter what a woman is going to do, what she's at the end of the day, what she's going to do is screw you over and betray you. And then when I was reading um, about friendships and um, uh, 
it, it really, really hit me because there is this particular portion that she has, and it, it, it was 100% you. And basically it says, I love you not only for what you are, but for what I am when I am with you. I love you not only for what you have made of yourself, but for what you are making of me. I love you for putting your hand into my heaped-up heart and passing over all the foolish, weak things that you cannot help but dimly see there, and for bringing out into the light all the beautiful belongings that no one else had looked quite far enough to find, for helping me to make out the lumber of my life, not a tavern, but a temple, out of the works of my everyday, not a reproach, but a song. You have done more than any creed could have done to make me good, and more than any faith could have done to make me happy. You have done this without a word, without a sign. You have done it by being yourself. That, perhaps, is what a friend is, after all. Well, I don't know what to say to that. I was reading the friend part, and I thought, well, I kind of suck at being a friend. (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) We have to take a break. Uh, well, I let Jackie be for a little bit. Um, we're going to take a break. Uh, you're listening to Keep It Magic. Cruise on over to www.coventrycreations.com. Your patronage to Coventry Creations is what helps make this show possible. We'll be back in a flash. Don't touch that dial.
yeah. can um, do all that do all that stuff. But what happens when a stressful situation comes or, or a challenge comes, then um, what we what we do at that point is we revert, we revert back to our old coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. I mean, anytime you start anything new, whether you make a vow around it or a promise around it or not, we have an ideal of how it's going to work out. And when it doesn't work out that way perfectly, in that at, at, within the first rough spot, yeah, um, you know that that first couple of weeks when you're like, oh, this is real. I really have to do something. I really have to. Um, I, this is uh, people are people, and it's not going to be perfect. Then then that becomes the um, that becomes the bad guy. Uh huh. So I think we we can sabotage ourselves in that way, meaning that um, while we don't realize that we're the common denominator in our lives, um, we we think that the common denot you know that that it's this person's fault, that person's fault. So we don't take responsibility for ourselves. Uh-huh. I've watched that happen over and over again. This job is going to fix everything. This new group of people is going to fix everything. I've done it. I thought, oh, I can you know I get to relax around these folks. What a great example is of my uh, Motor City Magnolias that you love to call them. That um, I uh, started having breakfast with them, and I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. These are just my friends. They don't have to do business. They don't have to talk about business. Um, they don't want anything from me. And then after a while, no, they didn't want anything from me except my companionship. So, but business comes up, and I was like, oh, it's coming up. They want something from me. Uh, but I went. No, you know what? Um, I I can I can bring this in there. I can. I don't have to feel as as um, delicate or as or as um, on guard with all this because I still get to be me 100% of the time. Uh-huh. Um, I, that was a terrible example. But anyway, I forgot where I was going with it. <laughs> <laughs> so. So I think that that we step into a new group of people, or, or you step into that new alternative faith, and you think it is going to fix everything. It's going to give you a new path, a uh-huh. new perspective to look at stuff. But no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, you are responsible for your own experience. Well, yeah, I know. For me, Jackie, I can easily um, take, um, and, and it is one of my particular gifts where I can go into a very, very complex book like the Zohar and pull um, the meat off of the bones of the particular text. And it's uh, very easy for me. Um, I'm gifted in that sort of way. Um, The difficulty that I can have, Jackie, is that I can get very, very caught up into the head magic, or the head magic, um, the um, uh, the head knowledge of whatever it is that I'm studying, and know it, but at the same time ignore applying it to my life. Oh yeah, I know lots of people are awesome at that. I can be awesome at that at times too. Like, like I, I, you know, gosh, so much. It's so easier to see somebody else's problems and know how they need to fix it than it is to see your own. Yeah. It is. It it is so much easier. And then, um, you know, the, the great awakening is basically where you sit down and you are forced, you know, because of your tycoon, um, you're forced <laughs> to sit down and uh, basically, you know, say, well, you know, I might want to start applying this to my life. So you um, just used an, a, a Kabbalistic term called tycoon. Mm-hmm. I briefly talked about what it is. Can you can you give us a better definition? Sure. Can you give me a better definition? 
uh, your tikkun, tikkun is basically what it is that you come into this particular life to learn. And basically, according to, to Kabbalah, um, and it's very astrological, basically, um, you come onto this particular planet with a certain lesson, okay, i.e. your birth chart. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, as life occurs, those planets are moving around your birth chart, which are going to open up um, certain lessons for you over and over and over and over. Now, the thing here is, is that you either learn the lesson and correct it, or you get it again and again and again and again and again. And sooner or later, you feel like the Israelites wandering around the same mountain for 40 years. Um, uh, I did that one. (laughs) Literally. Um, So basically, um, uh, you know, the major... um, uh, thing with with Tikkun is just looking at it as the particular lessons that you brought into in this particular life um, to basically learn to correct experiences that happened last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, or your last lifetime. Right. You know, they're particular lessons. And as the soul is corrected Jackie, sooner or later, you hopefully sooner, um, you will evolve into what is called a zadik. Now, this is another Kabbalistic term, which basically means the perfected human soul. How do you spell that? T-Z-A-D-D-I-K. Zadik. You know what it sounds a lot like? What? Vedic. Yeah. Just I'm just like, wow, that's a really close word, which Vedic means is kind of similar in its meaning, isn't it? Um, yeah. Similar, not not exact. But um well, you know um with a um Karen Berg talks about the tikkun towards the end of the book. Uh-huh. About how um actually scattered throughout now that I think about it. But about how we're here to um we're here to correct them. Uh-huh. So we can evolve our experience lifetime to lifetime. And um about how she really um, talks about some challenging subjects with that. Not only not only with your partner, with your marriage partner or life partner, um, as a woman, you can help them along. Looking at um, looking at what what their tikkun is, and and you have um, a higher ability to help them correct that. But then she talks about towards the end of the book uh, of um, when you lose somebody. Mm-hmm. And their tikkun has been corrected, so they get to move on. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's in um, losing a child early on, um, or or losing a loved one in general, and the grief process. Um, you know, one of the things that she does mention is that a lot of times that when and nobody likes to think about things like this, Jackie. But you know, when you have a child that. Um, you know, dies at a very young age, um, you know, two or three or something like that, um, for whatever reason, that basically that the correction that that child performed was basically to give a larger lesson to these parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are particular concepts that a lot of people have very difficult uh, problems with. And I, you know, where my hat goes off to Karen is that 
she's not necessarily afraid of, you know, tackling um, very, very deep issues. You know, for example, with me, I will tell you, one of the most difficult ones that I've ever had is, um, and I will read from this, we look at painful lifetime situations. A person born into a karma of abuse, a child born out of wedlock, a young man who is murdered in the prime of his life, and we ask, the creator, this all-merciful being is good, how is this possible if innocents suffer? But if we see that the soul inside the abused child perpetrated just such an act in a previous lifetime, it is possible to understand his painful situation today. The light sent here in the form of a soul and the amount of energy that soul possesses will eventually go back to the creator. And one hopes that soul will have learned its lesson and will incarnate, removing a certain amount of negative karma in a future life. Um, it took me a very, 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 very long time, Jackie, um, to embrace that. Um, and I had a million particular questions. Um, and, um, uh, you know, and, and when I asked those particular questions was like, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's difficult for, for human beings to look at the past, at the fact that they could have had a, had a past lifetime in which they were just monstrous, you know what I mean? And then, you know, now you're dealing with correcting that particular lifetime and learning the lesson of basically um, uh, what pain you might have, have brought on other people by experiencing that particular pain yourself. And that the particular process of that is the correction. That's that's really intense. Yes. That's really intense, and I know that in, in working with people on past lives and, and, and Akashic Records and all that happy jazz is that they will always, well, no, not always. I can't say that word because that word means it's not true. But more likely than not, people just don't like to see that part of them. They don't like to admit that they might have been a bad guy. There was always somebody else who made them do what they did. Mm-hmm. And so some a lot of the healing session is spent on um understanding how we're responsible on on uh, for our actions. Um here's an interesting quote that I wanted talking about the tikkun, the correction sure. tool. There's a whole chapter on it, it's number 8. Um once your sign that you're coming up against your tikkun is the feeling of emotional discomfort. Indeed, all the people and situations in your life that truly bother you are merely participants in your process of correction. The spiritual way to look at this is to see that everything you can currently consider a problem is in reality an opportunity that the light has sent you. So that made me pause. Mm-hmm. So she goes on to say, if you find yourself in a difficult relationship with your partner, it's because you have something to learn from him and he has something to learn from you. Mm-hmm. That... That challenged me, but that also gave me pause as far as, um, yep, this that's exactly how I see some of these really difficult relationships that we can be in. Um, or not relationships, I'm sorry, difficult situations, lessons in front of us. And that has helped me over the past couple of weeks, reading that has helped me going, all right, this is an opportunity for light. This is an opportunity for the divine to bring solutions. Um so, but then the thing that challenged me with this is that, um, you know, I don't want to learn anything from that person. I just want them to not bother me anymore. <laughs> it's hard. That's a really hard concept when you're in the middle of your own righteousness. I, I, I can relate 100% because one of my issues um, uh, with women, Jackie, is 
um, expecting, and of course this is my own issue, um, expecting them not to be where they're at, expecting them to basically be able to um, uh, uh, to perform in a particular way in which I envisioned, um, uh, which always led to disaster, by the way. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, we, what I do now in a proactive sort of way is when I feel that particular issue starting to come up or it presses against me, I immediately stop now and say, you know what, they're where they're at mm-hmm. in their life. They're where they're at. I can't even make any changes in that. The, you, you know, um, they're going through their own particular process. They're learning their own particular tikkun. Um And is it up to me to fiddle with that? Yeah, that's hard. That's hard when you want to fix different things and, and fix somebody else and – you know, I have um, I have some good friends that are going through a rough time of it and um, varying degrees. And I, I just, I'm like, I don't know how to fix you. No, I, I actually, I don't. I actually don't. You don't know how to fix the other person because you're not standing in their shoes. You haven't had their lifetime of experiences. And, you know, one of the things that I want to ask you, Jackie, um, is on on the magical level, mm-hmm. Um. When, where do you draw the line between helping somebody magically and fiddling with their tikkun? Oh, requests. I'm I'm not going to go in unrequested. Mm-hmm. If someone requests something of me, I need your assistance. Um, I need help. That I think is part of the process. Mm-hmm. When they say it's, do you know how hard it is for people to ask for help? I mean, there's the people yeah. that are always as save me. Asking for help is different than saving me. Uh So if someone can actually ask me for help, I'm not sure what's next. I don't know what to do. The help that I can bring them is is helping them realign themselves with the divine. Uh Um, Helping them clear the clutter that blocks that connection. Helping them clear the the smoke or the, the, the fog. That's the word I was looking for. The fog that can come between you and your connection to the divine, and and you know I'm not. It's I find it really interesting in um, the witchery world in the magic world. Um, people you talk about immediately talk about the solution. Uh-huh. Um, light this candle, do this thing. Um, you know, do this spell, wear this robe, wear this stone um, to help you with X, Y, and Z. And um, and, and that's where I started out, too. I'm right there with you. But what I've learned over the years is that light this candle to hold this space for you while you process. Uh-huh. Because um, what I've come to in my experience, and it's been, you know, one or two years of doing this stuff as a profession, um, that I realized that magic is actually a healing process. Uh-huh. That's its job. It is, and, and I've mentioned this before, and we have to take a break in just a second, Jackie, but one of the things, um, I've done a little bit of a process of studying um, traditional witchcraft and Wiccan um, ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know those are two different things, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, a lot of the problems that I have in much of paganism is that it seems, and of course this is my own, Interpretation, 
not anybody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, and of course, you know, I come from a uh, a background um, with Kabbalah. Um, but I find, you know, where the process is everything. But I find that there is a skipping of the process that seems to want to automatically be done in many of these. Um, ideals, which makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Why the hell do it if you're not going to learn anything from it? Well, I think that that's got, that got missed along the way. Uh-huh. I think that um, because we have a disconnect from what people did way back when to you know, in, um, when when it was an oral tradition and people lived in little villages and you went to go see the wise woman or the wise man, um, who who is the the um leader of your community I think we lost some things along the process even in conjure work when I um look at some of the stories coming from Hyatt or or looking at images coming through these art books um and and history books I'm I'm looking at it going there was a counseling that happened now there's sometimes, I mean, so you can go to some tarot readers that are counselors and some tarot readers that are like, oh, honey, you're going to win a million dollars tomorrow. Use these uh-huh. numbers. Um, there's going, there's, there's always a difference in that. But they really were the counselors. So, so if you kind of look at how the clergy evolved um, and how, how in, in current religions, you can, you can see this, this thread. So I do think that got lost in the reconstruction. Uh-huh. Because it's just the mythology, the mythology that remained, um, and this is one of the things that you taught me is the mythology that remained has a lot of the stories in it. Uh-huh. So we all know that they're cautionary tales, they're they're moral tales. Uh-huh. So so there had to be that that counseling. It goes along with being a spiritual leader. So um, so I think that got lost. So I think there is an element of that from the past that maybe we need to look at finding. Uh, I think so as well, and I, and I, I think that a lot of um, uh, uh, images that we get from like Hollywood of Bewitched and I Cream and Genie, and um, uh, to some extent, um, has influenced our um, uh, McDonald's mentality of thirty nine seconds or less. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the process is any more than 39 seconds, I don't want to go through it. I'm not going to deal with it. You know, I would rather stay in this particular situation. Um, uh, And we're going to talk about this a little bit more and talk about some tools on the other side. Um, You're listening to Keep It Magic. Jackie and I will be back in a flash. Cruise on over to CoventryCreations.com. Respect, 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 respect. 
Giovanni, and of course it is 5 o'clock, well 5.02 here on the East Coast, which means that it is 2.02 on the West Coast and every single hour in between. Cruise on over to www.coventrycreations.com, the sponsor of our show. Um, we have many candle lines that are available for you. Um, if you have a problem in your life, whether that's a love problem or a financial problem or you need to find a job or you need some spiritual assistance or, you know, you just need to clean the muck out of your life, we have a candle for that. So make sure that you cruise on over and um, uh, check that out. Now, um, Jackie, mm-hmm. since I already practiced restriction for three minutes, right. um, you ain't got no business eating the Dove chocolate anyway. Throw it out. <laughs> I had a tiny little square of the Dove chocolate bar. It's okay. That's restriction right there. (laughs) The real restriction would be throwing it out. (laughs) I don't know. Because it's probably 59 points. No, it's actually not. Um, I can have a half of a Dove chocolate candy bar, and it's only three points. Oh, okay. Two or three, I'm not sure. I haven't been counting my points, Storm. Okay. You're done with counting points? No, I'm not done with counting points. I'm um, overwhelmed right now. Okay. I'm really overwhelmed, so I said, okay, what what can what needs to go at this moment? And and so that's kind of a little bit of a restriction that I was practicing. Yet excuses at the same time going, this has got to go for right now, so I can get through these these other things. And it was a big lesson. It was a big lesson for me about. Um, making sure that I have the right team on hand to be able to do convocation, to do... It's it's a big event. I mean, people um, say, well, how come you're not doing convocation? This was years ago. I'm like, do you know how much work that is to pack that stuff up? (laughs) Well, you just get a table and put your products on there. And I'm like, no, I never do it just like that. Uh I have special displays, and I have racks, and I have hooks, and I have... Cause, so it looks really nice. When you just slap some candles on a table with a funky little tablecloth, you don't sell much because it looks it looks like a um, it looks like a garage sale. You got to make it look like a store. Girl, I just looked out the window and there's snowflakes about the size of a basketball flowing. Oh, we were having a meeting earlier in the front front um, foyer, and my back was to the door. And well, when you wear glasses on the edges of your glasses, you can kind of get a little bit of a reflection of what's behind you. And I could see the reflection of the giant snowballs that were falling in my glasses through the tinted door. I was like, turn around going, what? What is going on behind me? I know. It looks looks amazing, but it's still kind of a little freaky. Um, Yeah, it looks like you're in the middle of a snow globe. Yeah, exactly. It's very, very bizarre. What tools do you want to talk about? Oh, um, let's see. We talked about the cocoon, um, and then... Let me let me open up my my um, notebook here and all of my notes. Uh, you, know, you see, I'm stalling. And all of my notes as I slowly ask, look for what I want to um, look at. Um, um, <laughs> wow, that's some bad radio I just did right there. Um, you know what? I want to talk about um, truth. I'm doing a truth truth spell um class and she has this is this the tools yet um well the honesty tool right the honesty tool um 
it's really I find it I found it really interesting because I mean she does change between um you know there's there's the horrific honesty that's that's pointless you know the the little white lie version uh-huh. um because it's pointless to hurt someone's feelings yeah I mean, and that was really like going out of your way. I, I've had, I've had, um, now I, I've had girlfriends or or guy friends who said, "Hey, what do you think?" And I'm like, "You know, wh- uh, can I ask you what what made you pick that outfit today? I mean, what you lo- what do you like about this? What's going on here?" <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, and then I do have some girlfriends I'm close enough with going, "What were you thinking?" But um, I never really, I only do that when we're in the thrift store and they pick up something really hideous. Um, Blue shoes. <laughs> They're not blue. They're and they, but they are hideous. They're awesome. <laughs> They're 1940s awesomeness. Um, so the honesty tool is um, really interesting because I'm sitting with my daughter Thursday night before she's leaving for Florida. She's been sick on and off for the past week. I said, you're staying home on Friday. Uh-huh. She goes, I am. I go, yeah, you need to be healthy for your trip to Florida because um, we've paid a grand for this. So <laughs> you, I want you to be able to enjoy it. And, I'm, and you know, according to my mother's rules, if you're healthy enough to go to school, you go to school. And if you're not healthy enough to go to school, you don't get to do anything fun the next day or yeah. that evening. Right? Those are the rules we grew up with. Yeah. And um, and, and my husband is of that ilk as well. And I started to say to her, I'm going to sneeze on this too. It's really funny. So I started to say to her, listen, in the morning, as your father's leaving, don't act too healthy. And she goes, what? And I go, never mind. Be exactly who you are in every moment of any day. I just hadn't told your father yet that I'm keeping you home from school tomorrow. She goes, why, is that a problem? Because <laughs> I started to go there. I started to go to this place of, of we're going to lie to your father about this. And I'm like, that's not the lesson. I go, that's not the lesson. I literally said, that's not the lesson I want to give you. Um, I want you to stay home so you're healthy, and I have you available at my beck and call so we can get you ready for this trip. Uh-huh. And I said to uh, my husband, I said, Rebecca, staying home tomorrow. I want to make sure she's healthy for the trip. He looks at me and goes, that makes sense. It's like, <laughs> you know, why was I starting to rev up for this? Because I was a little liar when I was a kid. I was a little fibber. I told lots of tales about me um, when I was in high school and, and junior high and grade uh-huh. school. Um, and and I told lies about a lot of things. So because I was, and then I got busted too as a kid. So I've become almost hyper, hyper honest. You know, I come home with a bunch of new clothes and I'm rehearsing I'm rehearsing my justification, and and I and then I come in and I go, you know what? If he has a problem with it, he has a problem with me, right? So I've gone from justification to picking a fight, in that you know ten minute ride from the mall back to my house, and and I get in the house and he doesn't even notice I have bags. And I go, hey, I spent some money today. He goes, uh huh. He doesn't even ask what I. He doesn't care. Do yeah. You know what I mean? So so that honesty, that telling the lies, it's not about the other person. It's about you. Uh-huh. That was my lesson in all that. And, and you know, and, and then when you are afraid to tell the truth, have you really done something wrong? Do you need to correct your behavior? Uh-huh. 
if it's if it's legitimate and the person really is going to be upset at you. But I ha- you know what? I have always experienced, except for one time when that person was a jackass, but I've always experienced when I'm when I tell the truth, when we go, yep, I did it, and that was a total screw-up on my part, and I would like to apologize and make amends for it. People are usually looking at you like, no shit, you really apologized? You really told the truth? I was waiting for the lie. <laughs> I, I think that with this particular tool, one of the things that she does is she talks about a story um, about a friend of hers that was involved with a woman that liked to spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And he was um, not being honest with her, basically, about how much money he really had because of the fact that um, he was afraid that she would go and spend it. And basically, my takeaway from this is that oftentimes we make external excuses, basically, to be very dishonest with ourselves. In the end, the largest lesson I think out of this particular tool is is it really doesn't matter which lies you tell anybody else. It's the one that you tell to yourself. <laughs> um, that, is the, that is the much bigger issue. And, um, you know, basically she ends up, uh, you know, counseling him and asking him to really look at the truth uh, in regards to uh, the relationship. And, you know, basically he decided to exit the relationship. Um, uh, And, uh, uh, you know, it ended up being a very, very good decision. And I think that oftentimes our um, fear of losing something, our fear of being rejected, our fear of... um, uh, emotional vulnerability, um, our fear of uh, 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 isolation. You know, a lot of times uh, I think, um, and I can say that I've been guilty of this myself many times, um, a lot of times it is that that is the guiding factor in regards to self-dishonesty mm-hmm. than anything else. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the in the class that I'm going to be teaching um, in a couple of days. Um, about the truth spells, we I really talk about in this class um, the difference between finding the truth and uncovering lies. Mm-hmm. So um, truth is very subjective, and that's that's not necessarily from from the book, but it's your own personal honesty. And and really, the only person you're tre- you're cheating in that situation is yourself. I think we can be really dishonest with ourselves. Well, I don't know if you know this, but every 10 minutes we tell 2.6 lies. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not 2.6 lies, inaccuracies. Mm-hmm. See, there is one right there. And and we do it to exaggerate or make a story better, to to win points in our favor, to sway somebody in our favor. Um, it's part of our nature to spin the tail, to to be the big fish. Mm-hmm to have the big fish tail. And so um, that honesty is really hard. But you know what? It's really interesting about that honesty. And my husband's called me on this plenty of times where I'm telling him a story or I'm telling him some events at work. And he's like, what the hell? And I go, well, and then he comes back later and goes, it's not what they said. And I go, well, that was my takeaway. And I go, he goes, you have to be clear on what your takeaway is and what they said. Uh-huh. And, I, and and so that's something that he's been calling me on because I don't remember exactly. And so um, so I'm learning when I'm upset and I'm dealing with a difficult situation. 
I really need to, it, it's causing me to really question what the other person is saying. So that desire to, to fill my life with that kind of honesty um, has caused me to um, not assume. It caused me to really take responsibility for my own experience and my own stuff. So uh, I agree with you. And um, uh, my, my feeling here is, is, is that basically, you know, part of... Um, Stories, quote unquote, um, mm-hmm. and our need to tell them, which is has been going on since the beginning of time. Um, uh, and I don't even mean stories in regards to fabrications or anything of that nature. Um, we express ourselves through descri- description, through describing things. That's how we communicate. Um, and I think that one of the things that, and, it, and it's something that often comes up in regards to readings uh, that I'm doing, Jackie, is, you know, I'll be on the phone with a client, and I'm looking at um, uh, the chart, and it looks as though to me that there's some form of a conflict within the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then you look at the the other person, and you see something like... Um, Capricorn or Saturn or something of that nature, and that this individual really feels um, uh, pressured at this particular point. And when you when you tell the client, you say, you know what, right now what it is showing me here is that this guy feels really, really pressured. And you know, the the, the individual will say, or girl, um, the individual will say, well, I'm not doing anything really to pressure them. And I said, it doesn't matter whether or not you're doing anything or not. That is his perception. Mm-hmm. And I think that perception um, uh, is something I think that we very much take for granted. Um, and that I'm not going to see, well, maybe Jackie and I will see the same, things the same way because we both have Libra rising. But, um, <laughs> uh, you, you know, somebody that has um, Scorpio rising is not going to see the world the same way that Jackie and I do. It's just not going to happen. And we have to realize that other people, I think, have very, very di- different perceptions um, to life than we do. And, you know, and, and I think that that's part of getting honest as well, is realizing that not everybody is going to look at things in or react to things the same way you do. You know what would be really interesting, because um, you brought something up, I'm, I'm looking into this personality test called DISC, D-I-S-C, mm-hmm. and um, it's fascinating. Um, a lot of sales companies use that because it just, um, what makes a good salesperson is, is kind of within the personality test. And and I was just reading that before the show, and I was like, wow, I wonder, because your rising sign is how you perceive the world and how you react to it, correct? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I wonder how that all kind of lines up um, with different personality tests. I wouldn't hire a cat, somebody with cat Capricorn rising to be a salesperson. Well, or Pisces rising to be a salesperson. I'm, um, well, I'm going to um, send you the resumes and astrological charts. <laughs> <laughs> now I will be the consultant. Um, uh, but basically, the um, uh, the, re- the reason being, if you want somebody in sales, Jackie, you want Libra rising, Leo rising, Sagittarius huh. rising. Um, uh, to an extent, Gemini rising. Um, you want very fiery, 
airy type of people as salespeople. The reason being is because of the fact that the fire signs can inspire, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and when you become inspired, you want to buy something. And, um, you know, Libra wants harmony at all costs, okay? So they're going to be the individual that can cut the deal. Um, you know, they're going to be the individual that's going to be able to see things from the other person's perspective and be able to say to them basically what they need to hear to buy. Um, same thing with Gemini. Gemini can arti- articulate things in a very, very precise sort of way. Um, uh, you know, so, and even to an extent, you know, Aquarius rising as well can be fine, fine with, uh, with sales. I wouldn't do Aries, even though that it's a fire sign. Aries can be a little bit too pushy. And, you know, uh, there's nothing more annoying than a, a salesperson that is just on your jock to the point that you don't have any nuts anymore. You know what I mean? Um, uh, that's, that's interesting. I think that that would be a fun a fun show to do in the future. Yeah, definitely. Take a look at that. There is one more tool sure. I want to talk about that, that challenged me quite a bit. And, Which one? And it's the conception tool. Okay. Um, and she really goes into... Um, that um, at the moment of conception, your consciousness determines the kind of soul that will be drawn into your baby's body. Mm-hmm. Prospective souls ready to come into the physical world, wait for the perfect moment, the perfect situation, and the perfect environment to c- complete their cocoon. Mm-hmm. They perceive the thoughts and intentions of potential parents during the sex act and at the moment of conception to determine which soul chooses to incarnate in your uterus. Um, that, as I was reading that, as reading that whole chapter on that, I kept thinking about, um, of course, I'm very much pro-choice. Mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, they legislate women's uteruses more than they legislate guns. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a little that's a little skewed there. Um, but and, and the reason why I'm pro-choice is because you need to ha- not feel pressure either way. You need to make your own internal spiritual you and your creator kind of choice. Um, so it was just, I found it kind of, of course she, you know, I, I found it interesting as she was talking about marriage and of course you're going to talk about your family and the conception and the whole thing. Um, so I'm wondering for you, what about the decision that some women make to terminate? Uh, and how do you think that that, I mean, I know she's talking about, um, being conscious about this stuff and being um, understanding that this can be a very divine thing, uh-huh. and that maybe you need to do some some personal work if you're having challenges with that. So, I think two things. Okay, number one, I am pro-choice as well. Uh-huh. Um, number two, I look at it two A and B. Okay, if a woman decides to abort, and her purpose is for aborting is actually sharing. I think that she is working on a correction issue there, okay? Say, for example, she gets pregnant. She can't afford this child. The quality of the particular life of this child is going to be very low. The psychological life of this child is probably going to be worse because of the particular experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And she may not have a relationship with the father, a whole variety of things. Mm-hmm. And I think in many ways, making that particular choice is one of the most sharing things that that mother can do. Mm-hmm. The second one is is that possibly the tikkun or the correction that 
this mother has and this mother needs to have is actually the process of aborting. Interesting. So I I, I don't think it's um, simple. I think it's pretty complicated. Yeah. Um, that decision is. That decision is. I think. I know is the hardest decision any woman. Did you consider it? Um, no, I did not. Um, but I was very fortunate that when it was time for me to have a child, it was the right time. Uh-huh. Um, when I conceived, but I had too many friends who I watched their agony, and and no matter how flippant any woman acts about the decision, it is tearing. Uh-huh. It's absolutely tearing. And I think I think that how I attempt to counsel them, Jackie, when they come to me with that particular issue is to look at what is the reason why that you did this? What is the lesson that you are needing to learn in this? A lot of it is guilt. And they may have the particular tikkun of needing to deal with guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and like I said, a lot of it is they didn't have any other choice. Um, and their particular lesson with it is there's sometimes in life we don't have any other choice. Yeah, you know, I had a friend of mine who was going through a divorce a long time ago, and and um, she has a couple kids. And during some time of trying to reconcile, mm-hmm. um, they made a mistake, and he was cheating on her, and he was leaving her, and he was leaving her in the lurch, and mm-hmm. she found out she was pregnant. And um, what a time! To, to bring a child into the world, and she was just she was what you know what do, what do I do what do I do what do I do? Um, well, no, she really wasn't saying what do I do. She was re- re- resigned in her decision just because she understood how impossible things would be. Uh-huh. So um, yeah. But you see, I think I think, and also kabbalistically. The soul doesn't even start going into the particular body until a certain period of time, okay. and it's not fully into their into their body until they're thirteen. Now, um, now um, that that goes counter to what Karen said. Um, actually, it does not. No. No. Um, basically, what Karen says is that the spark or the creation of it is at the time of conception. Okay, but kabbalistically. The individ- there's a reason why we have a bar mitzvah and a bas mitzvah. And basically that is the celebration that the soul has fully gone into the particular body. Interesting. Okay. Um, uh, she really didn't address an issue here in regards to uh, abortion. I honestly do not know what it is that she thinks about it. Um, knowing um, uh, her writing and knowing her classes and things of that nature, I think that her answer would have probably been very, very similar to mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that it is a particular lesson that the individual needs to go through. And I can base that upon her ideas also of a child dying very, very young, is that the parents needed to go through that particular experience. Just like if you have, you know, she has a, tri- a grandchild with Down syndrome. Um, and, you know, in many ways, she be- believes that the parents had to go through this particular type of experience. And I also know that um, Monica went through a lot of experiences later when she had more children of being afraid that some form that that is the mother of the 
child that has Down syndrome, that this was going to be something that was going to occur again, okay? Mm-hmm. And she finally had to get to the particular point in which she, you know, the fear was terrorizing her so much that she just had to let go and just basically say, you know what, if that's what happens, I'll deal with it at that particular t- point. But she trusted that she was going to get what was given to her in the right particular way. Um. Yeah, Patty and I were talking the other day about how absolutely fortunate we both are. Just having a moment of of ultimate gratitude and how amazing our our kids are. And, and, and Karen talks about that also in the prayer tool. You know, part mm-hmm. of the prayer is, is being grateful that you can experience life in a um, spectacular sort of way. Right, right, and that that's been. Um, Surrender and gratitude are, have been really my my guiding forces uh-huh. in my life over these past several months. Is really surrendering, and that surrendering tool and that gratitude tool combined has allowed a lot of corrections in my life and a lot of eye-opening experiences. Yeah, um, I can't speak enough of it. But we are. Oh my God! I just looked at the time. We're done. We're done. <laughs> Um, people, uh, if you're in Michigan, check out Jackie this weekend at Convocation. She's teaching four classes. Don't have time to go into them. Um, uh, cruise on over to www.coventrycreations.com um, and check out the sponsor of our show. And, Jackie, in the meantime, what do they need to do? They need to keep it magic and a little bit chocolate. <laughs> keep it magic. <laughs> Speak life, everybody. I'll talk to you next week along with Jackie. Feels perfect. Other days it just ain't working. The good, the bad, the right, the wrong, and everything in between. Yo, it's crazy, amazing. We can turn our heart through the words we say. Mountains crumble with every syllable. Hope can live or die. So speak life. Raise your thoughts a little higher 